Randy Rhodes would play his final concert with Ozzy Osbourne on Thursday, March 18th, 1982, at the Knoxville Civic Coliseum. After the show, the band hopped on a tour bus headed to Florida. They were scheduled to perform at an outdoor festival called Rock Super Bowl the following day in Orlando. 24 hours later, a devastated Ozzy Osbourne would provide the following statement to state police. At approximately 9am on Friday, March 19th, 1982, I was awoken from my sleep by a loud explosion. I immediately thought that we'd hit a vehicle on the road. I got out of bed, screaming to my fiance, Sharon, get off the bus. After departing, I saw that a plane had crashed. What started out as an early morning joyride on a friend's plane had quickly turned deadly. Three people would die in the fiery plane crash, including lead guitarist Randy Rhodes, as well as Rachel Youngblood and Andrew Aycock, the band's bus driver. Join us on a supernatural journey as we explore the short but explosive life of Randy Rhodes. We explore his musical history, investigate the mystical facts, and examine the mysterious death of one of the greatest rock guitarists of all time. This is Death by Misadventure. Randy Rhodes was born in Santa Monica, California, on December 6, 1956, under the zodiac sign of Sagittarius. The youngest of three children, he had a sister named Kathy and a brother named Doug, who would later change his name to Kelly. Raised by his mum, Dolores, Randy's parents split when he was just a toddler. To support the family, she opened a music school in North Hollywood called Musonia. She laid the first bricks for the building herself and chose the name. Growing up, Randy and his siblings were encouraged to be creative and played music, since they did not own a stereo. He was only five years old when he picked up a guitar. Snooping in his mum's closet, Randy found his grandfather's old 1918 Gibson guitar. He didn't know how to hold it, his sister Kathy was quoted as saying in an interview. He would put it on the ground and play it, Noticing his early musical gifts, his mum arranged for Randy and his sister to start guitar lessons together at school. After just nine months, his teacher, Scott Shelley, admitted he could no longer teach Randy, since his guitar playing surpassed his own. However, home life was volatile for the Rhodes clan. With his parents divorced, his brother said in an interview it created quite a stigma for the family. Randy's mum was protective and strict with her children. His sister Kathy said her mum was not a warm, fuzzy person, and she remembers her telling 12-year-old Randy how gifted he was. And her brother burst into tears, because she didn't usually give many compliments. Randy continued to practice guitar religiously, and it worried his mum enough to consult a doctor to ask if constant playing would cause any permanent damage to his hands. To round out his musical ability, As a teacher, she taught him how to play piano, 
and helped him to develop his understanding of music theory. Later, Randy would meet his first future bandmate and best friend, Kelly Garney, when they both attended John Muir Middle School. He taught his buddy how to play bass, and together they formed a band called The Whore. Although, Garney would later say the two bandmates were unpopular in high school because of their long hair. During this time, Randy quickly learned how to play lead guitar. His first band would play neighbourhood parties, and he would later form a cover band called Violet Fox with his brother, who played drums. During their five-month stint as a group, they played songs by Mountain, The Rolling Stones, Alice Cooper and David Bowie. However, the turning point in the guitarist's rock and roll journey was when he attended an Alice Cooper concert in July 1977. After the show, his brother remembers how Randy was mesmerised and catatonic, just staring at the stage. Something clicked that night, and he believed it showed Randy what he could do with his musical talent. As a Sagittarius, Rhodes was extremely creative and something of a free spirit growing up. At the age of 16, he formed the band Violet Fox and began teaching guitar at his mom's music school during the day and playing live gigs at night. Like most young guitarists in the 70s, Rhodes admired Jimmy Page, Jeff Beck, and glam rock. Above all else, he loved Bowie's guitarist Mick Ronson who he saw playing at Bowie's now-famous show at Santa Monica Civic Auditorium in October 1972. He graduated from Burbank High School early so he could teach guitar and pursue music full-time. He joined forces with lead vocalist Kevin Dubrow and drummer Drew Forsyth, and they quickly changed the band's name from Violet Fox to Quiet Riot. Dubrow, in an interview before his death, recalled the moment they met. I was 18, Randy was 17. He walked in and he had hair down to the middle of his back and a long thumbnail. He was brilliant, he was gifted, he was hilarious and a wonderful person. Dubrow was an average singer, but where he truly shined was in his ability to get things done for the band. He was a motivator and he helped secure management for Quiet Riot. The guys were fresh out of high school and Dubrow took the lead to handle the business side of the music. Quiet Riot began to pack L.A. rock clubs alongside other popular bands like Van Halen, Exciter, and London, and by late 1976, they were signed to CBS Sony Records in Japan. Rhodes biographer Andrew Klein wrote that the very first time Randy saw Van Halen play, he took his girlfriend Jan with him. She was quoted as saying that Randy was devastated after the show. Here he was, the rock god of Burbank. Everyone told him how great he was. Then he saw Eddie and got a major reality check. He thought the Van Halen guitarist was great, and he was inspired. However, while the band had a strong following in Los Angeles, Quiet Riot and Quiet Riot 2 was released only in Japan. Rhodes' long blonde locks and polka dot theme became the visual focal point of the band, as many fans began showing up at the shows dressed like Randy, emulating what the guitarist always wore on stage. He was the star of the show. 
However, fate stepped in, and his life was about to change forever when he met Ozzy Osbourne in 1979. After Quiet Riot got signed to CBS Records, Rhodes was unhappy about the band's new sound and felt the recording didn't come close to capturing his electrifying guitar sound. Kelly Rhodes cited Kevin Dubrow as the main reason Quiet Riot didn't get signed in the U.S. Everybody was putting the blame on Kevin, he says. They didn't like the way he sang, they didn't like the way he looked on stage, and they just didn't like his personality. I'd be with Randy, and people would come up and say, I love your band, dude, but when are you going to dump that singer? By 1979, Rhodes was restless, and when he got the call from Dana Strum, letting him know that legendary Ozzy Osbourne was auditioning members for his new rock band. Rhodes got the call for the audition just before his final show with Quiet Riot in September 1979. The day before Osborne was scheduled to return to England, Rhodes agreed to audition for him with his Gibson Les Paul guitar and a practice amp and started warming up. He auditioned for a very hungover Osborne in a hotel room and barely had time finish warming up with scales before he was hired on the spot. Osborne was quoted as saying of the audition, he played this fucking solo, and I had to ask myself, am I fucking stoned, or am I hallucinating, or what the fuck is this? Rhodes later said in an interview, he had a weird feeling. He hasn't even heard me play yet. Ozzy turned out to be a shrewd judge of talent, even with a raging hangover. Originally, Osborne's label had wanted to keep the band lineup all British, But after Rhodes blew manager Jet Records executives away with his high energy and guitar playing, he sealed the deal. Ready to hit the road with Ozzy. Randy Rhodes flew to England, only to return home a couple of days later. He was turned away by the British Customs at Heathrow Airport when he didn't have the necessary work permit. A representative from Jet Records was dispatched to clear the matter up, but he never arrived, and Randy spent the night in a holding cell before being handcuffed and put on a plane back to the United States the next day. Ozzy subsequently called him to apologize, and arrangements were made for Randy to return to England with the proper paperwork. He flew to England on November 27, 1979, and met with Ozzy and Daisley at the Jet Records offices in London. The trio traveled by train to Osborne's home, Bullrish Cottage, which also housed a rehearsal space. It was here that Rhodes lived with Osborne, his then-wife, Thelma, and their two children during his first few weeks in England. The first song that Ozzy and Randy wrote together was Goodbye to Romance. During the recording of the new band's first album, Ozzy gave Rhodes artistic freedom to explore his guitar sound. He was blessed with dazzling chops 
and an innate comprehension of music theory, and his style had a perfect blend of flash and melodic structure. Former Uriah Heap drummer Lee Kerslake was hired in March 1980 to complete the band along with former Rainbow bassist Rob Daisley, who Ozzy hired on November 14, 1979. The band then went to Ridge Farm Studios in Rusper to record the debut album, Blizzard of Oz, from March 22nd to April 19, 1980. Both Ozzy and the label knew they had a superstar in the making on their hands and were eager to introduce him to the fans. On September 20th, Blizzard of Oz was released in the United Kingdom and was a huge success. Crazy Train and Mr. Crowley were released as singles. Goodbye to Romance, I Don't Know, and Suicide Solution also received radio airplay. Years later, Ozzy said in his autobiography that he could not understand why a musician as talented as Rhodes would want to get involved with a bloated alcoholic wreck like himself. However, the two had an instant rapport, and together they would make musical history. Rhodes would play his last show on Thursday, March 18, 1982, at the Knoxville Civic Coliseum. After the show, the band hopped on the tour bus and headed towards Florida, where they were scheduled to play the Rock Super Bowl Festival in Orlando the following day. They stopped in Leesburg, Florida overnight to repair the tour bus the band was traveling in. There were just two houses located on the property where they were staying. One of them belonged to Ozzy's bus driver, Andrew Acock. The morning of the 19th, while Ozzy and the rest of the band slept, Andrew got up and decided to take one of the private airplanes located on the property for a joyride. He first took keyboard player Don Airy and tour manager Jake Duncan for a flight on the plane. He then landed and took Randy Rhodes and makeup artist Rachel Youngblood on the second fateful trip. Randy had tried unsuccessfully to coax bassist Rudy Sarzo to join him on the flight, but Sarzo chose to get some extra sleep instead. Andrew flew the plane dangerously low and began to buzz the tour buses. He flew past the buses three times, but on the fourth pass, just 10 feet or so above the ground, per the sheriff's report, The wing of the plane struck one of the tour buses. It cartwheeled into a tree and crashed into the roof of the house. The plane exploded on impact with the house. Sadly, Randy Rhodes, Rachel Youngblood, and Andrew Acock were killed instantly. (laughs) 
A day later, a devastated Ozzy Osbourne gave a statement to the police. At approximately 9 a.m. on Friday, March 19, 1982, I was awoken from my sleep by a loud explosion. I immediately thought that we had hit a vehicle on the road. I got out of bed, screaming to my fiancé, Sharon, get off the bus. Meanwhile, she was screaming to everyone else to get off. After getting out, I saw that a plane had crashed. I didn't know at the time who was on the plane. When we realized that our people were on the flight, I found it very difficult to get assistance from anyone to help. In fact, it took almost a half hour before anyone arrived. One small fire engine arrived, which appeared to squirt three gallons of water over the inferno. We asked for further assistance, such as telephones, and didn't receive any further help. In the end, we finally found a telephone, and Sharon phoned her father. Sharon told the police, I went to bed around 11.30 the night of the 18th. The next thing I knew, I woke with a huge bang, and the bus was rocking. My bed was at the back of the bus. I ran to the front of the bus to look out the windows. I had no idea where I was or what had happened. There was glass everywhere in the bus. Everything was upside down. The bus driver's ex-wife said, don't look, don't come out. I left the bus and I saw flames coming from a house and a big hole in our bus. I ran screaming trying to find out what had happened, but no one would say. Then I found out. I asked for a phone. I was told by a man who I didn't know that there was no phone and to keep my mouth shut and I didn't see anything. I told him to go to hell and then I found a phone. I did not see the crash. All I saw was fire. Eerily, Osborne would later reveal in an interview his final conversation with Randy Rhodes after the show. The guitarist warned Ozzy about his heavy drinking and the last thing Randy said to him that night was, You'll kill yourself, you know, one of these days. Little did both rock stars know that in less than 24 hours, one of them would be dead. In numerology... Randy Rhodes' life path number was three. This is the number of consequences, and it shows a life with creative opportunities and deadly pleasures. The number vibration reveals a man who was a soul searcher and loved by everyone he met. Although Ozzy Osbourne has stated many times that his good friend rarely drank or did drugs, he still enjoyed living the rock and roll lifestyle. In Rhodes' case, he unfortunately suffered the negative vibration of number three and took an early exit to the afterlife because of the consequences of others. Had the pilot not been taking drugs that morning and not flying the plane recklessly, the guitarist may still be with us now. Rhodes died on March 19th, and his death number six shows a karmic debt must be paid. Another factor is he was born on the sixth, and this number is sadly often associated with death and karmic ties. And although it doesn't mean that this alone is enough to show that someone will die young, it is a strong indicator that this would be an inauspicious day for Rhodes to go on a joyride. Especially with an unlicensed pilot, as there was a possibility of evil forces at work. Sadly, this is exactly how the supernatural energy played out. Ozzy Osbourne always said, after Randy Rhodes' death, 
that he couldn't understand why someone so young and talented would want to work with him. But if we look at it from a numerology and astrology perspective, it's no surprise. The reason I believe is that Ozzy was born on December 3rd, 1948, which means that he also had his sun in Sagittarius and moon in Capricorn, exactly like his good friend, Rhodes. They were musical soulmates, and I believe they shared an incredible creative bond for several lifetimes. This aspect shows me that these two rock stars were like twin brothers. In fact, in a previous interview, Ozzy was quoted as saying about his first meeting with Rhodes, I loved him in an instant. I fell in love with him as a player, and I fell in love with him as a person. The two rock stars shared an intuitive connection, and when they worked together, it was pure magic. Ozzy would give Rhodes a melody, and he'd work a riff around the melody. They loved playing on stage together, and offstage, Ozzy said he was the most dedicated musician he had ever met in his life, and was a master of his art. But if they had a similar numerology and astrology patterns, then why didn't Ozzy also die in the plane crash? Well, first, he wasn't married to Sharon Osbourne, who I believe is Ozzy's guardian angel. She is the protective force that surrounds her man, and has a life path number one. She's in charge. The other answer is that astrology and numerology charts are far more complicated than just a sun and a moon sign. And Ozzy didn't have the same astrological aspects or the life path number as Rhodes. Ozzy was born with the life path number one, and Rhodes had the life path number three. Yes, they shared a soul contract to be members of one of the greatest rock bands of all time, but it had karmic strings attached. Their destinies intertwined forever, Rhodes would leave this world unexpectedly, and Ozzy's life and music would be forever changed because of it. The morning of the accident, Bob Daisley and Lee Kerslake who had recorded Blizzard of Oz and Diary of a Madman with Rhodes, were together in Houston, Texas with Uriah Heep when they heard the news of the accident. According to police, the three were on an early morning joyride after staying up over 24 hours, while some members of the Ozzy Osbourne band slept in their tour bus parked next to the house. The other three buzzed overhead, circling the bus three times. On the fourth time, they didn't make it. Uh, the plane had been flying treetop level roughly three times, and then after uh, the fourth pass, he tipped the bus on the opposite side, and then it went over the top of the bus, the plane did, and hit a pine tree in the front yard, and after it hit the pine tree, it nosedived into the home. The home then burst into flames and killed were the band's lead guitarist, hairdresser, and bus driver, 36-year-old Andrew Icock, who was also the plane's pilot. They were flying in a Beechcraft Bonanza like this one. No one was injured in the home, which is reportedly owned by country music singer Jerry Calhoun. The band was on a tour, which included a concert this weekend at the T-Bowl. Police say the band's bus driver lived nearby and brought the band here for a brief stop before continuing on. Near Leesburg, Marty Salt, Channel 9, Eyewitness News. He said he was sitting at the bar when Bob came walking in, looking like he had seen a ghost. Lee asked what's wrong, and Bob told him there was a plane crash earlier in the morning, and Randy was dead. 
Both devastated, they spent the day crying their eyes out over their friend they loved so much. Rhodes' longtime girlfriend, Jody was in her car when she heard a block of songs from Blizzard of Oz on the radio before the DJ announced the accident and the news that Randy had been killed. She was too distraught to continue driving. It was later revealed after the autopsy that the pilot Andrew Aycock's system tested positive for cocaine. Rhodes' toxology test revealed only nicotine. Osborne later said that Aycock had been doing cocaine all night prior to the crash. The NTSB investigation determined that his aviation medical certificate had expired. Andrew's estranged wife had spent the last fateful night on the bus. The band knew the driver was attempting to get back together with her, and witnesses described his state of mind as agitated in the hours before the tragic crash. Bassist Rudy Sarzo would later state in an interview that he believed the pilot's troubled emotional state that day, combined with the effects of the cocaine, was directly responsible for the terrible accident. It was later learned that Aycock had been the pilot in another fatal crash in the United Arab Emirates six years earlier, and karma had finally caught up with him to collect one last debt. Family and friends gathered on March 24, 1982, to pay their final respects to their fallen guitar hero, beloved son, brother, and friend. The memorial service was held at First Lutheran Church in Burbank, California, where Randy had attended every Sunday with his mother and siblings, and where Dolores Rhodes taught choir. The pallbearers at the emotional funeral included Ozzy Osbourne, Rudy Sarzo, Tommy Aldridge, and Rhodes' former Quiet Riot bandmate Kevin Dubrow, along with his old pals Frank Santa Cruz and Kim McNair. Family friend Arlene Thomas played an acoustic guitar and sang in the background during the touching service. After the service, a motorcade drove 63 miles from Burbank to San Bernardino to the rock guitarist's final resting place at a mausoleum in the Mountain View Cemetery. His mom, Dolores, chose her hometown, San Bernardino, to lay her son to rest. Every year on March 19th, on the anniversary of his death, Randy's sister Kathy and brother Kelly will visit his grave to meet with fans, share stories, and celebrate their brother's life. In a recent interview, Kelly Rhodes said that after all these years, he's never gotten over his brother's death, and he thinks about Randy every single day. He said he could go on with life, but he can't completely come to terms with the loss of his brother. Sadly, Dolores Rhodes passed away on November 11, 2015, at the age of 95, and was laid to rest next to her son. However, Randy and his mom's love of music lives on at her school, the Musonia, now ran by Kelly Rhodes. Today, it's a genuine rock and roll shrine where fans from all around the world come to pay their respects to their favorite guitarist. Over the years, Kelly has continued to give tours of Musonia 
to fans who make the pilgrimage to Tiara Street from places as far flung as Australia and Japan. In the spirit of generosity that defined the Rhodes family, Usonia charges no fee for these tours. For Ozzy, nearly three decades later, talking about Rhodes after their collaborations were reissued, Osborne admitted that he still takes antidepressants to deal with the loss. Randy gave me a purpose. He gave me hope. Randy Rose's legacy as a musician with his classical music influences gave his guitar style a perfect blend of flash and melodic structure and added a new dimension to heavy metal in a way that very few guitarists have accomplished since. In the last six months of his life, Randy had become disenchanted with the rock and roll lifestyle and told his family and girlfriend Jody he was considering quitting the band to continue his studies in classical music. Sadly, He never got the chance. For his family, life was never the same without Randy's charismatic presence, especially for his mum. After his death, she never put up another Christmas tree, and time stood still in her home and heart. She refused to allow anyone to enter her son's old bedroom because she wanted to leave it exactly the way he left it just a few days before his death. Randy's death also took its toll on bassist Rudy Sarzo, who found it too painful to continue playing with Ozzy Osbourne, and he left the band shortly after. He would later write a book about his time with Ozzy and his friendship with Rhodes, called Off the Rails. Every year, a memorial concert is held to celebrate the life of one of rock and roll's greatest guitarists. The two most recent shows in 2018 were held at NAMM and in Las Vegas, and headlined by his brother, Kelly Rhodes and included Rudy Sarzo, plus other notable band members from Foster Pussycat, Striper, Billy Idol, LA Guns, Hell Yeah, and many other musicians. Anyone who has attended the show calls it a one-of-a-kind spiritual musical experience. To this day, Randy Rhodes is remembered for being an incredible musician and teacher. He's loved by family, friends, and millions of fans. Gone but never forgotten. Death by Misadventure was produced by Cosmic Media and written by me, JC Nova. Our supernatural team of co-hosts includes the talented Eduardo Fahey in London, Tom Dre, our master numerologist and paranormal investigator in L.A., Paul Robinson, magi and musician in Marin, and myself, I'm a psychic astrologer and paranormal investigator in Los Angeles and San Francisco. This episode was recorded at Robin Sound Studios in Marin, California, and also at Union Recording Studio in West Hollywood, California. Kudos to sound engineers Paul Robinson and Noah Shanklin. A special thanks to audio producer Christopher Lang in Tucson, who brings each episode to life, 
and Paulina from Upper Planet in London. She's responsible for the super cool design of our official website. She's also the designer for one of our favorite true crime podcast, Case File. Please like and follow us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash death by misadventure podcast. Each episode is available for download direct via our website at deathbymisadventure.co.uk and also at iTunes, Google Play, CastBox, Spotify, Podbean, TuneIn, Radio Public, and Stitcher. Last but not least, our podcast is hosted by Libsyn. I'm JC Nova, and this has been Death by Misadventure. Thanks for listening. <laughs>